Hello, and welcome to the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. With me, Clive Barber, and my good mate, Noel Tom. For the days when you can't ride your bike, there's always the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. Hello, Tampers. Welcome back again. Quite an exciting episode, this one, I think, hopefully. We're joined by Thomas Hansen, off of Norway, who's going to talk about himself a little bit and tell us about some of the best places when to go to Norway and that kind of thing. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Being invited to this is quite um, odd for me, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> the invite came out of doing the podcast. I'm just trying to think of ideas of things to do, really, and trying to do something a little bit different. Recently, there was something in the press in the UK about a new ferry running from Holland to Denmark. Yeah, that's correct. I heard the uh, same news. Mm. So hopefully that will happen. So that kind of spot, well, maybe you should do some kind of Scandinavian special to um, tie in with that. So I've got in contact with a couple of people that listen to the podcast in uh, Denmark. I still need people in Sweden. But yeah, I thought it'd be good just to go through the, you know, the four countries and talk about the, the, the riding in each of the, the countries and things like that. But yeah. Also, to delve into the obviously, you're quite well known. You're a, you're far bigger than Greg. I don't know why you have so much admiration for him. He's a tiny <laughs> little man with a tiny little view, viewing figures compared to yours. Yeah, but for me, it's more like the, just the the sheer creative uh, mind of his. It's just like he's just a he has so much to offer in the creative aspect and the way he and the way you guys present yourself like the, i think the british humor is really close to the scandinavian humor Definitely. because the, the american style is kind of like too superficial we don't like that so much but uh, the english blokes and uh, the norwegian and the swedish of course are kind of like on the same page for everything no i think you're right the thing with greg with us greg's a mate who happens to make films so we are a bunch of mates with a friend that happens to make films <laughs> do you know what i mean it's not, it's not yeah. like we've been to acting school or adventure school it's kind of what you see is what you get really yeah but i think that is the part that is so brilliant because for me i do a lot of my travels alone because inviting guys with me with the camera takes a lot of time so have people that are patient enough for me to do all the filming stuff is kind of hard for me but you guys is kind of like the bonding, the the natural flow of you guys speaking, talking trash to each other just on a friendly level is kind of, I think that is the kind of the the, uh, the head of the nail when it comes to just entertainment because it's it feels so genuine. It feels so, yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that in the motorcycle community, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's nice to hear really because I, I often feel quite nervous, certainly with the podcast about putting yourself out there and you, you may feel the same because you're presenting yourself as, as a thing and it becomes a thing and it, it's quite easy if you put your personality out there to, for people not to like you. Oh yeah. It always worries me that you're going to get kind of loads of negative feedback and you know, these guys are absolute twats, especially that fat one with a beard. He's, a, he's an idiot. But <laughs> thankfully, we haven't really got that yet, <laughs> except from each other. I think everybody will come to a certain point where they get so popular that uh, people start to, to envy the process of where they've been and where they're at. So I think everybody will see a sheer amount of trolling online or people being rude. It's just the way internet works these days. But as long as you kind of are true and, um, true and honest about the stuff you are passionate about, I don't think 
it doesn't matter what people think fuck it yeah absolutely and it's kind of fun doing these things and like you say it's a great way of meeting people that you might not meet otherwise and gives you an excuse to meet people and to talk to people and, and to travel to places so oh yeah hopefully we will make it to scandinavia in the next couple of years and we'll pick you up on the way and you're you're in the gang is the ferry Ooh. definitely confirmed uh, uh, is it officially i'm yeah. not part of the boy band if you come to <laughs> norway yeah yeah that's <laughs> official yeah yeah yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, is, is the ferry true? As far as I know, it's true. Yeah. But I tried to talk to a friend of mine who um, did work in the uh, the company that uh, was into the ferry thing. And um, I haven't got the confirmation from him. But a lot of people down in Denmark are talking a lot about the ferry coming from, uh, it was it Newcastle? It, no, from a port just north of Amsterdam, I think. Yeah, I think it was from Holland to yeah, Denmark. North of Amsterdam. Just, uh, okay. Yeah, so we'd have to get a ferry from Newcastle to Amsterdam, ride up to wherever the, the next ferry terminal is, and then go from there to Denmark. So it's still quite a, a more involved trip for us. I just love to know the story behind it, you know, what's driven it, whether it's a commercial thing or whether it's a tourism thing or a bit of both. Yeah, I'm quite amazed that the, mm. the Newcastle line from Bergen isn't operating again because my, my uncle was working on the, the Jupiter, is the name of the boat, for many years. Been It's been really popular here in Norway to go over to England in that way but I'm not sure I think it's maybe because of the weather because the North Sea the waves in the North Sea are so uh, intense sometimes yeah. so yeah and of course it's money it's uh, you need to fill it with a lot of people to kind of get on top of things <laughs> So I wanted to do two things, really. I wanted to sort of talk about you and work out who you are and talk a little about your, your channel and the type of things you put on there. You've got hundreds of videos on there going back years. Been doing it for a long, long time. I started out in 2013, I think, when I first got my uh, racing bike, the BMW S. 1000 RR and uh, the GoPro back then was so bad and it, I didn't get any good sound so I kind of I kind of started the whole thing but it was so crap and so hard to make it work so I just left it uh, at that a couple of years later I uh, got into adventure riding I changed the um, exhaust on my KTM 1290 super adventure and that just went through the roof with views and uh, a couple of years later I got uh, I was really into how to say it, to write travel uh, blogs or kind of like with pictures and text. I had a friend of mine who asked me, he, he was a frequent reader of that and asked me if, if I buy you a camera, would you try to do some video as well? Because I think you have a really a passion for storytelling. So I want to see how you can do in video. And I was, yeah, of course, no problem. And uh, two weeks later, the joke was on me because he stood on my doorstep with the camera and said, come on, bring it, bring it, bring it to video. So I said, oh, what to do? So I started just looking through YouTube and see what kind of videos me personally, what I liked, what I, uh, and that's how I found Greg and the video with um, the whole Trans Euro Trail stuff. And that just fueled something in me. It just, it was a spark that just, uh, so that was kind of the whole process of it starting. After that, I just, it was just learning by doing. I hadn't a clue of what I was doing. It was just, okay, this camera works like this. And I had to, I, I've been doing photography since i was a kid so i had some ideas of how uh, how camera works but uh, still uh, to do video is a whole not a ball game it's just so much more into all the details compared to photography so yeah that is kind of how it all started and then eight years later you're still going yeah but that was the first one i had many years of where i didn't do it at all so it's kind of like uh, now it's been 
soon three years since I started for full time with this. So it's kind of three years. So here's a question for, for you and Noel. Why do people like us do this sort of thing? Why do we have these YouTube channels and why do we make podcasts? And I guess it's a question to me as well, which I've often thought about. It's like, you know, when you see your actual number of viewing figures or listening figures, you think, what's the point? Why am I doing this? Noel, you can go. Well, I, well I was going to say, I'm very lazy. I've made a few films and very short films and I got a GoPro when GoPros came out. But I soon found out it is, like you say, Thomas, it's a lot of work, isn't it? And it's a whole different level of of sort of input to to do it. And the editing thing I found really difficult. You presumably, have you self, self-taught in your editing? Yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm not very computer savvy. I don't think I've never really, <laughs> never really had computers in my work. So it's just been something that I've used every now and again at home. And I've always just found it really frustrating and time consuming. I've made whole films where I've come to save it and I've just lost everything and I've had to remake the whole thing. And so Oof. I kind of, I'm sort of quite fearful of it still. I haven't done enough of it to become really comfortable with it. I don't know why we do it. I'm very comfortable with Instagram. I love Instagram, just for its simplicity. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I follow your Instagram. I think you, you're genius at it because you have us, uh, it's kind of like the own, uh, the own personal touch. So it's kind of like when I first saw you on in Instagram, I was, oh, this guy is brilliant. He actually got something really good going on. It's kind of like, like you said, why do we do it? A lot of people do it for the fame or the views or the clicks or whatever. I think that is in every one of us because it gives a little bit of adrenaline rush or something when you get a lot of views and likes but if you do it for those reasons i think you lose because people will look right through that if you do it because you're passionate about it you have a strong feeling to share to share your knowledge or just share your point of views and stuff i think people will look at you as the honest man or girl you are just relate to that and they find it doesn't matter what you do everything you do throughout the week has a story and it's just how you present it and how you want to tell that story. If it's chopping down woods or you kind of have a podcast or for me making videos, and it's all about the, just the enjoyment and passion of sharing your knowledge and your views on that certain topic. Yeah, the knowledge thing is really interesting. We've just done a series of beginners kind of guide podcasts and also four episodes on our thoughts about longer trip preparation and the kind of gear you should buy and, and take with you. And that really came about from a, a lot of people that message us on Facebook. You know, they're asking often simple questions that you think that, you you know, knowledge that you take for granted. It seemed like a, something that was needed to be done to share our limited experience with other people, really. And I think it's also quite interesting that we all have very different views and different takes on, as everybody does, on the way you should do things and, and the way you should dress and all that kind of good stuff and bikes and we constantly have arguments about who's got the best bike and <laughs> what type of helmet you should wear and all that kind of stuff it was quite good fun no why do you rock up every, when, when we do do it every week why what makes you want to do this podcast i know i know it's easy for you because you do no preparation you do no post-production you just turn up and i'm sort of fascinated by photography i'm fascinated by filmmaking and i'm fascinated by podcasts and i've felt like an, I'm not an early adopter of very many things, but I was a very early adopter of podcasts. And I was listening to them back in about 2007, 2008, and just thought, this is so strange. It's called a podcast, but it's essentially radio. And I've always loved radio, but it's essentially the best bits of radio on tap in a way, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. just that. It's radio designed 
for you, you can choose your own playlist effectively, can't you? I've never been a podcast listener myself until just this recent year, actually. But it's like you said, it's kind of like you today's um, look at television today. It's so filled up with commercials and all the other crap. And you have to wait. If you want to see a two hours long film, you need to sit there for four hours to watch it from beginning to end. And you see a lot of streaming and everything is kind of like we have a short attention span. We need the, the best bits as soon as possible we don't have the time to wait so that i think because of because of that it gives room for a lot more creators to do their own stuff but still your viewers or your listener can be hurt because if you don't sound interesting after the first five minutes nobody will listen through the whole thing so it's a give and take kind of thing Can we talk a bit more about you, Thomas, then, about how you came to motorcycling? And were you riding bikes as a kid? Well, let's even go back a bit further than that. Tell us, tell us who you are, your family, what you do, because what you do for a living, I think most people would be possibly be quite surprised about any other hobbies you do, that type of thing. You know, I really hate talking about myself. It's, it sounds kind of weird. People who know me that, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, here in Norway especially a lot of Nor- Norwegians are kind of, we don't like to brag about ourselves. And I always felt like talking about myself is kind of a way of bragging, but... Um, well, you're on a podcast now, you have to. Yeah, I do understand that, but it's still, it's kind of weird. But yeah, I'm, uh, I have a girlfriend that I live with. We have a kid together. He's uh, eight years old now. I work as a firefighter, USAR rescue leader here in Norway. It's kind of like an urban search and rescue team. So we do everything from rope access to demolished buildings and the landslides and yeah, all that kind of stuff. That is kind of my main job. And I have... Uh, You're a hero, that... full time. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would say that, but uh, yeah, some of us, uh, some people look at us as heroes, but for me, it's just like a normal job because it's like you train for it, you work for it, you kind of do it every single day in out day in and day out. So it's kind of like it, you just do what you train for. It's maybe it's like soldiers in uh, the, the army and uh, yeah, like doctors and, uh, but nurses at the hospitals, those are the real heroes, not we. And that you can see now after COVID and all that crap. I do live in Bergen uh, on the west coast of Norway. It rains a lot. <laughs> 270 days a year, apparently. Yeah, approximately. And uh, when it rains, it rains a lot. It's probably like Scotland or something. I think they have something similar to west coast of Norway. We live in the wettest part of England as well, in the Lake District, in the northwest of England. And does it? And when you say it's, it's, it's got this wetter statistic, Thomas, but does it feel like a wet place to live there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially for me riding a motorcycle. It's kind of like you really need three layer Gore-Tex there's just I see some people oh the tree the layering system oh it's so genius it's so lightweight and oh everything and just yeah fuck that when you need to go stop your bike every five minutes and take on and off the layering to keep warm and yeah it's it just doesn't work here <laughs> so we have four seasons uh, about yeah all, all the year through so so I have this fantasy about living in Scandinavia, and so riding a motorbike in the summer and having a snowmobile in the winter. Would that work where you are? Uh, no, snowmobiles, uh, it's kind of like off-road riding in Norway are strictly forbidden. And the same with the, the, the snowmobiles, because we are really careful about our nature and uh, yeah, all that things. So it's, there's, there's some marked places where you can ride, 
towards cabins and in the mountains, but uh, and of course in the ski resorts. But apart from that, yeah, you can just forget about it. No, I was going to say I once rode up through Norway, and it did seem like there was different weather in every single valley. That struck me that yeah. if you were if you were in a wet place, you'd go through a tunnel and you'd come out in a completely different weather system on the other side of the mountain. But also, I was just I was going to ask you about the bike culture because all I saw in Norway was Harley Davidsons. Oh, it was. Yeah, I didn't see any adventure bikes at all. Everyone seemed to have a, a cruiser or a Harley Davidson, predominantly a Harley Davidson. Is there a big Harley culture more than a, an adventure bike culture? I don't think so, because I'm in the adventure uh, segment myself. It's kind of like a lot of the times you see Harley Davidson riding up to Starbucks, as it's so popular to say. And uh, those kind of get together and meet up at the places where the local motorcyclists are hanging out. But the adventure rider or the adventure group is kind of more spread. They go for longer trips. And uh, so if you're out riding a lot like me, I do see much more adventure bikes than I do anything else. Right. So I think it uh, depends on where in the city you are or in Norway you are. Is there a national... We have the Trail Riders Fellowship in the UK or in England anyway, which is an organisation. We basically campaign to keep trails open. We also will work on the trails as well in conjunction with the various local authorities to, to do maintenance work on the trails. We make sure that we can continue to ride where we currently can ride. Is there anything like that in Norway? Well, yes and no. There's a kind of like a club in Norway we call off-road touring club and you pay 200 Norwegian or 20 pounds to kind of be a lifetime member and uh, we arrange like gravel roads and uh, gravel meetings and uh, do some part some of them are part of the trans Euro trail team and um, a lot of the gravel roads in Norway are owned by landowners it's most of them are private or the ones that not private are owned by the government so they have to keep that clean and uh, kind of a lot of the gravel roads in Norway are toll roads because of the, um, the farmers and the landowners use it for um, taking out woods or uh, so uh, there's no it's not the same but it's still people working on the trails every year all the time like putting on new gravels and how do you pay the toll for the road oh you can do it with i'm not sure what it's called in england but here in norway we call it vips and it, i think it's the same as stripe yeah. Or Swish. Uh, there's some different name, but it's kind of like an app on your phone. You just pay for it. Or you can have to pay in cash when you pass uh, the toll booth. Some places they do accept credit cards, though. But is there, is there a man booth or is it sort of an honesty system? It, it was an honesty system, but that didn't work as well. So they have started now putting up automatic toll booths. They, they just put they take a picture of your license plate when you drive by. And you, if you don't go in and pay within the next 48 hours, you will get a fine. So it's been, it's mayhem. It's kind of like, it's ridiculous how much uh, people are taking paid for. But I, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's ridiculous. It's all right. Nobody listens. You're fine. Say what you want. <laughs> so do you find yourself traveling into to Sweden and Finland and or anywhere else? Or do you mainly stick to, to Norway? Oh, no. My plan was to... It was kind of ambitious, but my plan was to do all the Trans-Euro Trail from start to finish. That didn't go as well. Uh, <laughs> the COVID just hit us hard and uh, everything was locked down. So the last couple of years I've been spending here in Norway, but I've been a couple of uh, trips through Europe. I've been to North Cape. I've been down in Finland and all the Baltic, Baltic countries and down to uh, Italy, the Alps, to France. So I've been around a couple of, but that was mainly tarmac. And um, I've been a couple of trips to Sweden. So have you done any of the uh, big trips out of the country? Ever been to Morocco or anything, anywhere like that? No, just in Europe. Oh, you've got to ride in some sand. 
I know my brother was down in um, Morocco a couple of years ago, spending one week with uh, a guy from Spain, English guy who had a farm who rented out 500 CCMs. Yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures and videos of him and it's just, yeah, I really need to do that. But you know, family life, it's kind of like, what do you do? <laughs> I can't do everything. Nolan, I have this argument frequently because, you know, for somebody like me with a job that has to work for a living, it's really easy just to fly somewhere for a week, hire a bike, get somebody to show you around and, and fly home and you've had a fantastic time. But, you know, we don't all have a month to just piss off to Iceland on our own. <laughs> and so and do you prefer to ride alone? You said you ride alone mainly. Is that intentionally uh, both yes and no uh, i have no problems traveling in groups but I'm, I'm really particular with the people i travel with because i know that i've been i've been riding in groups uh, for most of my uh, motorcycle career or if i can call it that and i know the chemistry when people are driving for long periods of time and i know for me driving around with my camera it takes a lot of time and i know that that can be a pain in the ass to be the guy who always stop and taking a pictures and taking video because i don't want to bother too many people so some but sometimes i'd ride in group but mostly i ride on my own because i also have uh, i only work seven shifts a month and it's 24 hour shifts every time i'm at work so so when i'm i'm off on, or have vacation everyone else are at work yeah. So I'm mostly I spend my time on the roads alone because I can't sit sit around waiting for people to get back from home because then the day's gone. So what's in the um in the parking garage at the moment, motorbike wise? No, I, I only have one bike at the moment. I have 790 Adventure R. So you transitioned from a BMW sports bike, then you went to a 12. 100 ktm was it uh, yeah first i went to the 1290 super adventure because i thought that was the king uh, when it came out and uh, i was so stupid i went down to the local dealer and tried the bmw gsa the adventure model and um, it was kind of like it was it fit me so much better than the ktm 1290 and that was the first one the white one the first one that came out so it's kind of like the it it was something weird about the handlebars and i did i wasn't so much into adjusting the bike to my preferences so i found that it was much easier to just change bikes buy a completely new one <laughs> so i had that for a couple of years uh, this was around the time when i got into the trans euro trail and i was completely hooked on it and i started doing some gravel courses here in norway i went down on the trail with big bike over 300 kilos going down and the half the bike was laying off the trail so i had to take a rope and make a pulley system at the same time so i had to drag and yeah it was a pain in the ass to get mm. up again and then i found out that, okay this is way too heavy for my kind of riding now at this time so i changed to the 690 enduro r from ktm but that was uh, i had that for a trip down to denmark at the danish tet and then i went to over to sweden and did the sweden tet and i I almost blow, blown over the bridge when I was driving from Copenhagen to Malmö, I think it's the name of the town. That, that, that huge bridge, it was really windy. And when every time the truck passed me on the side, I, I was laying with the, almost with the knee down on the one side. And every time a truck passed me, I was kind of forced to go over. So I almost died that time. <laughs> I almost felt like that. So so then I just found out now I can't have, because I'm so in love with adventure riding. I'm loving riding around um, on longer trips and because i love live in the west coast and most of the gravel roads are on the east coast of norway i have at the east part of the country i found that i i need a travel bike 
but I need a gravel bike as well. So the 790 was kind of like the jack of all trades for me. So I'm assuming a lot of the, the trails you ride, then the ones you can use, they're not particularly technical. They're not like trial sections. You don't have big rock steps or anything like that. Nothing like that. It's more like gravel roads, fast gravel. It's more like, yeah, I'm not. if you've seen some of my videos, it's kind of like that style for almost everything. Are there many old passes in Norway? You know, in the Alps, you'll go through a tunnel and on either side, you'll see an old pass going over the top of the mountain. There's so many tunnels in Norway. Are there old passes that still exist? Yeah, about uh, approximately every tunnel has an old pass that you can possibly take. But there's a lot of rock falls, some of the places, so you should be careful with uh, riding there. And what, what are the camping rules in Norway? There are none. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you can you can wild camp. It's allowed to, as long as you stay away from houses that, that are used or lived in with so many meters. And um, you just have to stay at one night at a time. So every, if, as long as you move around, it's no problem. And because of the tourism in Lofoten and uh, some of the other places around Norway, there's so many campers that come there. So they have, so, they have put up um, a local... Uh, prohibited and uh, i'm not sure how to say it in english but uh, it's not allowed to in in some area of norway it's not allowed to camp in high season but sort of aside from that you can almost wild camp and camp wherever you like in norway and when you're traveling through norway do you mainly camp or do you sort of take a little cabin somewhere or a mixture of both i do a mixture of both i kind of like to uh, support the local camping spots and um yeah, when I'm in the area where it's it looks nice, but uh, I also like the wild camp. But it, it's kind of like a 50-50 thing. Does the Statoil mug still exist? Yes, it does. <laughs> but the, the coffee tastes like crap. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered it about a week into my trip up through Norway. And for the next three weeks, I lived off Statoil hot chocolate. Yeah, hot chocolate is good, yeah. actually, yeah. But you guys don't drink coffee. You drink tea, don't you? Yeah. For the do you do, have you heard of the stat oil thing, Clive? I haven't. No. It's a and it's an oil company, a petrol station company. So you buy the mug. They change the design of the mug every year, very cleverly. And but for oh, yeah. the year that you have it, you can walk into any garage guilt-free. Not even need to buy. Fee- All you see is blokes working, walking into garages, coming out with a mug of something. So you can just fill up that that mug at the coffee machine for twelve months. <laughs> When you've been on the Tet, Thomas, do you've sort of have you met many riders from outside of Norway on it? Uh, yeah, uh, in some parts I'm, I met uh, a lot of riders, especially from Holland and um, some guys from Lit- Lithuanian or uh, or the Baltic and Poland. It's kind of like the season in Norway is kind of short, where, where because some of the mountain paths in Norway are so high up, you have a lot of snow there. So most people try to ride there from August to September. So if you if you spend time on uh, on the trails around that time, you can be lucky to meet people. But uh, it's not flooded in any way. The most people that run on the Norwegian Tat or uh, the local roads here are our south, the people that live in Norway. Because the gravel roads in Norway are so limited. So a lot of local guys are uh, going hard on the yeah. gravel roads that exist. And are there many water crossings? No, there's a couple. But uh, I, if you see Greg movies, I won't call it a water crossing. It's more like a pond, a little, uh, yeah. yeah. What, what do you think is the best month to travel? 
It's kind of that, that is kind of hard to answer. It, it, it depends on how much uh, bugs bugs you in a way. It's kind of yeah. do you like mosquitoes? Do, I mean, are they very bitey? It yeah. depends. Uh, how sweet are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can be a pain in the ass. It's uh, so I, I prefer August because all the snow are gone and the colors in the mountains are starting to get orange. So it's uh, yeah, it's a really beautiful month and insects die in buckets every day in August. So when when, when is this coming? When's the worst time for mosquitoes? Oh, June, July, June is terrible. And especially the further north you go. Oh, I really hate it. What's it like in May? Because May here is like a golden month. Yeah, it's really good, May. May is kind of like the perfect month. It's uh, In statistics, uh, the May is really nice weather as well. Yeah. And it's uh, really warm. But there's a lot of snow still in the mountains. So mon- many of the most spectacular, spectacular uh, mountain roads are closed because they're not open for snow yet. A couple so, of years ago, I went over to Lisebotten and the road was closed because there was 11 meters of snow still in May. Are there many ferries to catch going up through Norway on the Tet? It depends. If you it, if you travel on the West Coast, there is a lot of ferries, but uh, you can avoid them in a certain degree. So you have just from uh, Stavanger to Bergen, I think there is four, yeah. And from Bergen up to Ålesund and Trondheim, there is six if you take the most western route. Uh, not, don't quote me on that, but uh, there's just a lot of ferries on the west coast. Do you feel like you're living in like one of the most beautiful places on the planet? Yes, every time I'm out riding, I do that because I see it's so easy to get spoiled because of the beauty we just live in or in in a backyard but every time i out travel every time I, I stop at one one of the mountain passes or just uh, down at some of the fjords i just take two minutes and just look at the views and i just whoa i don't i do not understand why so many people use so much money to travel to other countries when we have so much beauty here at home but i think it's like that for everyone for me i bit when i was a younger kid like 15 16 years my parents had a crush for England. We did a lot of travels to England. I just loved it because all the castles and um, yeah, the nature in England is really beautiful for me. But I do understand for you guys that probably not that much to look at. I moved to where we live because it is one of the nicest parts of certainly of, of England. And also we've got uh, we've got Cumbria, we've got Yorkshire, and we've got Northumberland, uh, which are just three fantastic counties in the north of England amazing mountains and lakes and moorland and sceneries is amazing i was thinking a lot of people come to norway and come to scandinavia and they just get presumably get on the fastest road they can to get to nordcap oh yeah (laughs) but they must be missing so much on the west coast of of norway i mean the the fjords being something that uh, norway is is famous for right yeah and the the Norwegian fjords, the mountains, and um, the whole southern part of Norway are so spectacular. There's so much beauty, and there's so much nice to see. And uh, all the small towns you can visit and live. And uh, yeah, it, we have an incredible country with so much variation. But for some reason, everybody's coming to Norway, and I want to see North Cape. And North Cape are not that spectacular. It's it's a bucket list thing you can put on your as a kind of check. But if of course, if you're up there, like first time I was up there. Or the only time I've been up there, to be honest. I have 17 degrees, blue skies, midnight sun, and it was just amazing. Not as not windy at all. It was just once in a lifetime opportunity. But other people come up there and only see fog. So, and it's people because of the curvature of the the earth. People, when they look at the Norwegian map, it, the northern part of Norway doesn't look that big, but 
I promise you one thing. If you start driving from Tromsø to North Cape, it takes you a while. <laughs> it's crazy distances up there. I rode up and I sort of gave up about half. I wasn't mad on getting to that. I knew I didn't really want to get to the top, but I wanted to see the Lofoten Islands. But I got about halfway up and it just got so cold. I just turned around and set off back because I just felt like I'd driven from summer to winter in the space of about two or three days. So I was desperate to get back into the summer of central Norway. I found it much nicer to be down south of Norway rather than the north. Yeah, but in the, in the south, it, it, the temperature, like you said, it, 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 they can be summer down south and it's still winter up north. So it's a huge difference. But like Lofoten Islands and Sanya are the most spectacular places in Norway, from my my personal opinion. It's If you're just a little bit into nature and uh, wild nature as well, Lofoten will uh, really change your perspective on things. And the cabin culture, I just noticed everyone, there's so many cabins. Does yeah. everyone does everyone in Norway, it felt it looked as though everyone in Norway had a cabin. Everybody has a cabin because we are so few people and everybody kind of didn't have the, the money or how to say it before, before we have oil. Everybody had the kind of like the family cabin on the country. And so they're, this and is, they're, they're passed down, are they, through families yeah. quite often? Yeah. It is through, through generations. So it's like my, my, my place where I have a cabin. We have the, the forest we can go back that we have down in writing or in our history book. There's over 700 years of history through my family alone. So it's kind of like, and a lot of uh, old farms in Norway are the same thing. And of course, it's huge properties. As years go by, they kind of like give out cabins or places where people can build cabins in the, their land. And Norway is pretty rich now. So most people in Norway have electric cars, Teslas, one or two houses and a cabin. And yeah, so it's kind of disgusting in a way. <laughs> <laughs> it is the, one of the most sustainable countries in the world. Yeah. So I heard. One of the other things connected to having a high standard of living is um, Scandinavia as a whole is famous for being expensive. Oh, yeah. Important things. How much is a pint of beer? <laughs> uh, we don't call it a pint. Because <laughs> I think it's uh, zero, uh, 0.6 in England. And uh, here in Norway, it's 0.5. Three pounds for one half a litre in the general store. If you go outside in the city center, like here in Bergen, if you join uh, enjoying a beer outside in uh, the city center, you can probably pay around ten pounds just for one beer. Is that a lot, Clive? Clive, I haven't bought a pint since nineteen eighty four. Is that a lot? It's not even that expensive in that there London. Right. That's how expensive <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's insane. But but to keep in mind that if you're a Norwegian living in Norway, having salary in Norway and spending money on everything here in Norway, it's not that expensive if you compare it to other countries. We're actually not that uh, expensive at all. But we are, some of the numbers may be wrong here, but we are, we are 40% more expensive than general Europe when it comes to food prices. But our income are also 60% more than the general in uh, it's yeah there's some there's some number but you can have to double check that but uh, for the tourists from uh, how to say it lesser countries coming to norway it can be expensive but it's there are easy ways um past that you don't have to go to the city center to eat you don't have to drink outside you can go to general store grocery stores and buy your food cook them in uh, free camping if you're wild camping through norway it don't cost you a penny so um, compared to if you go down to germany and try to camp there you have to pay for the place you put your tent the tent and the parking spot and per person that lives there so it's kind of expensive compared to norway and to have to to get a little cabin on a campsite mm -hmm. how much would that cost now 
Oh, it depends really on the, the, the how big the camping spot is and where in Norway it's located. But uh, everything from uh, 40 pounds to uh, 60 pounds in general. How much is a litre of fuel? Uh, two pounds. Oh, uh, pounds and euro are the same, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. there's 84 pence to one euro, so it's about the same, yeah. We'll just have to bring whiskey with us. You do that. <laughs> I, can bring, I can bring something uh, really special called... Um, Viking champagne. <laughs> Viking champagne. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, apple cider from uh, Harangar. It's it's almost like apple juice with alcohol and bubbles. Sounds good. So you get a little bit tipsy on it if you drink too much. How do you say utapils? Utapils. Utapils. That's an outdoor beer, Noel, for your benefit. <laughs> I've been reading up. I've been researching. I wanted to ask you where you learnt your English, and I'll tell you why. Because every now and again, you sound very northern. Northern English. Well, I think that's um, you know we Vikings went down to England and uh, did some yeah <laughs> and went back again. So probably we sound more there. like him than him sounding yeah. like us. No, I think it's <laughs> I think it's more like I do have a tendency to talk like Norwegian English. We kind of say the the word that we think. It's kind of like not the like what's the time? You would say what's the time? We say we can be dumb enough to say what's the clock because it's a clock you watch uh, looking at. So. <laughs> Uh, but we we learn English at school, and of course we are influenced by everything else on TV and uh, American shows and stuff like that are in English. So most of us are quite good in English and talk English well and makes ourselves understand really good in English. But a common misconception in Norway is that a lot of people think that all Norwegians talk good English, but we don't. A lot of the older ones really struggle so uh, it can be rude to uh, presume that everyone in Norway talk English because I got a question from uh, a girl that was interviewing me the other day Anna Krasnikova I'm not sure the, her last name she's a world traveler and she asked me about that uh, if is there something you can do in Norway to insult us is there anything you can say like in some countries you can't you can't do this in England it's kind of like fuck you isn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know what yeah all that, yeah, that's up yours. Yeah, here in Norway, that's One the same. Finger. But this uh, yeah. two fingers, good I to know. Box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in Norway, you can you can you can take a piss on everything. Actually, it's uh, even our king you can make fun of it because he has a little bit of a lazy eye. So uh, some people think that is fun to joke about, and I don't <laughs> think Norwegians take life that serious. But there's something you don't do. You don't uh, mess in the queue. If you're in line for something, you wait in line. Do not try to sneak in front of anyone. Then you get kicked in the head. That's, yeah, that's, that's very that, British yeah, as well. well. That must be where we get it from. From the Vikings. Mm. But they weren't very orderly, <laughs> were they? They just came over and raped and pillaged and gave us half of our language. Right, right, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, fair enough. Kiss and make up. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your uh, YouTube channel, because you, you do quite a few different things on your YouTube channel. I watched a, a lovely video the other day about your five top recommendations for things you should take with you. And I had four of them. Oh, you did? The exact same thing that you had. What, what, didn't what did you, you have? have? The yeah. pastel headlamp. I didn't ha- haven't got the heated jacket. Ah, uh, you're old enough to buy a, a heated jacket. <laughs> I don't, I'm fat enough not to need one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> My YouTube channel, yeah, it's I, I, 
it started off with because I have a huge passion for uh, motorcycling and uh, I'm, I've always been a traveler. I always enjoyed travel to new places. I love meeting new people, new foods, new scenes. Everything is kind of like the traveling part of me is always like an itch that I need to scratch. It started out with uh, me being a traveler on motorbikes and I thought it is just the best thing to do it, it kind of like make videos of my travels on a motorcycle it's just kind of like it it sets itself it's kind of like the most easiest way to go by it but as more that i evolved into the video genre or what you say i started to evolve i started to build up a new interest i started to see I had much more creative things I wanted to have outlet for. So I tried to, okay, how can I kind of build on this? I don't want to be uh, like a small niche. I tried to build it around adventure, my hobbies, my passions, and what I do enjoy the most, because this is the most easiest way I can be honest and forward with uh, my content. It's much easier for me to talk about things that I'm really passionate about than trying to take talk about makeup or uh, shampoos. Tell us some of the sort of things we can find on your channel. Oh, you can find everything from my motorcycle travels, of course, some product reviews and uh, yeah, just adventure thing and camping gear and things that you would necessarily would like to know about if you're an adventure rider or an adventurer or camper or hiker or yeah. Just some general stuff that uh, if you love the outdoors, I probably have something for you to take a look at. How many tents do you have? Uh, I just have one, to be Did honest. You? Wow, that's yeah. good. Because that's I'm, uh, I love the small life uh, and a, this a small and simple life as well. And I don't, I don't believe in. Oh, I love gear. I just absolutely love gear. But I don't believe in just accumulate gear for no reason i if i can't use it i don't see the point of it so if i can buy something or get new gear that uh, substitute our old gear that is not the same quality i'm more than happy to do that but my tent works really good for what it does and i'm currently looking into getting a new tent uh, as a second tent because i want a freestanding one so i can take with me to on rocky surfaces and um, yeah and loose sand yeah but i'm also an ambassador for the norwegian brand amok equipment the hammock brand and uh, i have a lot of them so i use that kind of just as much as i use oh. a tent I have their, yeah, I have their sleeping bag, which I just sort of bought by accident, I think. So I'm just looking at YouTube now, and you're you're not known as Thomas Hansen on YouTube. You're T.S. Hansen, T-S-H-A-N-S-E-N, if anybody wants to search for Thomas and watch some of his really beautiful films that shows an amazing side of um, Norway and will really make you want to go there. Appreciate that. Yeah, you should uh, definitely do that. It means a lot coming for you guys. Trust me. I'm, uh, yeah, like I said to my girlfriend when I was going on live today, it's kind of like, I'm a little bit nervous and that, that doesn't happen often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said when I came down. Exactly the same thing. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, this is this is somebody I've just known off the internet for quite a long time. We get that. You, you don't see the messages possibly, Noel, on, on Facebook, but we quite often get people saying, messaging us and saying, I feel like I I know you from from watching Greg's films and from listening to the podcast, and I, I kind of felt the same with Thomas really because I've watched enough of his content to um, to feel like I do know him yeah. really. You do very well yeah. on the hashtags, Thomas, don't you? I've noticed because I use a lot of hashtag, I get a lot of uh, companies reaching out to me for brand and. Uh, deals and uh, want me to be an ambassador for their products and stuff like that 
And and in general, I just say no to most of it because I don't want people to come into my channel and it being a paid advertise. I see there's so much free advertising online today because big brands know how to exploit uh, younger ambassadors and uh, young people that want to be more have a bigger interview or have a bigger audience on YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is. So I kind of I kind of steered away from that because I, I, I really don't want to sell my integrity for people online. I really just want to, if, if people see me recommend a helmet or recommend Axe or the backpack I did, they know I, I talk from the heart. It's not a paid commercial for uh, Krieger or anything else. Yeah. If anybody's listening to that, Thomas say that that's Thomas saying that not not the trail and adventure motorbike podcast we'll take your money I think that is um, the dark side of this whole thing it's It's uh, a pressure it's a pressure you don't need isn't it I think yeah I think the other thing is it's quite easy to see through people that are promoting something because they're being paid to promote it you can usually tell yeah, I'm, I'm completely, I think the same. It's so easy to see if a person really enjoys something or it's just something they're paid to see. Any top tips for traveling? You take a pillow. Yeah. You do? I always have a pillow. It's, <laughs> it's a two thing. I, I always bring two things. Like, so like I have, when I pack, uh, I try to pack lightweight and I try to take with me two luxury items. The one it's my whiskey bottle, and I always do peated whiskey. The, the, those are other brands that don't do peat. That doesn't fly at all. Um, it's the Airflow pillow or something from Sea to Summit. I'm not sure the name of it, but uh, the green one. Oh, I'm writing it down. I'm getting one. I've heard people talking about, oh, you can just uh, put the jacket underneath your head and you can sleep comfortably. Fuck that shit. I tried it so many times. It doesn't work at all. It's just, it doesn't fly with me. I need a pillow. <laughs> We had a big argument about this on the recent podcast because everybody yeah, was saying, just get one of your stuff sacks and put your jacket in it. And it's like, fuck you, I'm taking a pillow. If Thomas uses one, oh, I'm going I'm to seriously think about it. Exactly. Yeah. Take my word for it, would you? No. If Thomas <laughs> says so. <laughs> how, how much? Yeah, but uh, uh, people have an impression that I travel a lot. I try to travel as much as I can, of course, through the season. But you guys, how much did you travel in a normal year? How much? How, much, how many kilometers do you have on your bike in one season? We've got two very different answers, one from me and one from Noel. You, <laughs> I, Noel basically yeah. is retired. <laughs> Piss poor performance, like you said in the last movie. Yeah. Uh, I, would hope, I would hope to have at least at least two trips, hopefully three trips a year. But I don't know. I don't know. I never really think about the miles, but each one is probably at least at least a thousand miles if it's a european trip it's two thousand miles i work for a living i've got three children my wife's business to support at the weekend so i'm i will do we'll do one big trip a year and maybe two or three smaller ones when we might go away for a couple of nights and then try and do some trail riding locally but we're quite spoiled locally for trail riding because there's there's plenty we can do locally yeah i've seen that on the videos too and great but you have your camper van as well doesn't you I I have a van which has got a thing called a um a boot jump. So it's this wooden box that you can lift into your van and it's a bed and it's a seat unit and it's got, you know, a cooker built into it as well. So you can take any van, whether it's a small van or a large van, put this boot jump thing in and it turns it into a camper van. I put one in the smallest van ava- available to humanity. So I put one in a little Citroen Nemo van oh, and it works great. How do you great. fit in there? 
It's great. It's really, really good. It works really yeah, well. Yeah, but how tall are you? Also, how high? I'm like, um, six feet, but I can still, as long as I can sit down comfortably in it and I can still stretch out in it, it does work. Yeah, I'm six, I'm six, seven, I think. Six feet, seven. Yeah. yeah UK is on my top three on my bucket list at the time. So um, I hope to do UK in uh, the next couple of years, without a doubt. Me and my brother probably will. Yeah, we'll meet you at Newcastle off the ferry and yeah. throw you down some English granite before you yeah, know it. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> There's a lot of technical riding, in, in certainly in the north of the UK and into Wales where, where the tech goes. It's yeah, for If anybody turned up on their GS1200, they'd be in big trouble. Yeah, but Will had the 790, didn't he? Did he turn it away because it was too big? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that the official story or is that the, uh... there's if you listen to one of the pod, one of the beginners podcasts will talks about his journey from having a 1200 to a 790 to a, a 690 and I I still I still think he'll go smaller at some point but a 690 is good. Yeah, I think I heard it. I think I heard that podcast. I, I I heard one episode where you talked about it or make fun of it but I I didn't get the, all the references um, on that show so yeah, no, I think you'll be fine on your seven ninety. If you if you if you if you're a comf- comfortable, confident rider, you'll be you'll be fine. And you just take your time. And yeah, I wouldn't do it on my own. Probably on a on a bigger bike, but um, it'll be good fun. Yeah, but you always ride in a group, don't you? Mostly, mostly, I go out on my own very occasionally. Noel, you ride on your own a bit, don't you? Really? Yeah, I I almost. Oh, it sounds terrible, but I almost prefer to ride by myself in a way. <laughs> Sounds terrible, yeah, but, it, but it's just so much. It feels just so much more exciting. It feels so much more adventurous to do it by yourself. Yeah, and you have your you, yeah all your impressions for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you. I know where you're coming from. And I, I just have it's just, it's just the frustration of not being able to stop when you want to stop. That sometimes yeah. drives me a bit crazy. Sometimes. Yeah, I did a trip. You encouraged me to go and do a trip to the the NC500, which is the north coast around Scotland, which is which is certainly on the west coast is is really beautiful yeah i have it on my base camp i'm trying to do that one time i really enjoyed that but i would have enjoyed it more with a group of people i think without a doubt yeah but i think that people are different in that way because the the time you learn to appreciate your own company there's a really it's a strength in that to just enjoy yourself and your own company like people look weird at me when i go out to eat alone I go out to a restaurant and eat alone and people, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? And it's like, I do understand that. But if you're not confident in uh, enjoying your own company, I think you miss out on a lot. I don't say it's wrong or right or anything. I just think more people should just take the time to learn to enjoy their own company. Yes, Clive. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because I like road riding with other people, but I think... I prefer off-road riding by myself, oh. but not road riding. Oh, fuck yeah. you then. Piss off. <laughs> I'm not going well, to we'll do it Because I am going, the ride that I'm doing with you in April, Clive, I am going to be doing it in a group and then I'm going to be doing it by myself. So I'll, I'll, I'll make a final decision uh, is, then. Is that the Spain trip? Yeah. Oh. Well, if you get back in touch with us, great. You can tell us how you, <laughs> how you got on. If you enjoyed it on your own, you can fuck <laughs> on. <laughs> I love the British humorous. Yeah, I love it. Taking a piss. <laughs> No, I'm being quite serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's the best part about it. So that's the end of part one of our Scandinavian special. A massive thank you to Thomas for helping us understand a little bit more about Norway. Next week, we're going to be joined by Robert from Nomad Sweden. Yep, 
yeah, we're going to talk about Sweden. Look forward to seeing you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really appreciate what we do, you could consider supporting us on Patreon or buy us a coffee. Links are available on our website, which is tampodcast.com, tampodcast.com, where we also have a limited selection of branded stuff. But either way, please keep listening and spreading the word. See you next time.